Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. We are now in month four of the Celtic Oum tree calendar. And I'm not sure how far I was going to take this theme, but I'm really committed to it now. This was a fun one to write because I wrote this episode on St. Patrick's Day while listening to Irish folk music, and boy was that an aesthetic. But without further ado, we find ourselves now in a month known as the Alder Moon, which lasts from March 18th to April 14th. In Celtic tradition, the month is referred to as Verin. I'm not quite sure how well I'm pronouncing that. Celtic pronunciation is hard, and while this name is spelt F-E-A-R-N, most, but not all, of the guides I read insisted it was pronounced with a V. So this is me trying my best. Verin. I don't know. Anyway, the alder genus is made up of both shrubs and trees that mostly find themselves growing in wetter landscapes or close to water. Because of this, the alder is often seen as a symbol of balance, among several other things. But this is a really interesting example of how the natural science of a tree can lend inspiration to both folklore as well as practical applications. So today I'm specifically covering two alder species, the black alder found across Europe and the red alder which is native to the Pacific Northwest region of North America. Alders in general belong to the birch family, Betulaceae. When I was working on the west coast of Washington in the midst of many red alders, visitors to my park would often ask if they were birch trees. And that association makes a lot of sense because the closest relatives to the alders in this family are birches. When they were first categorized, alders were originally placed in the birch genus, but have since been split into their own genus, called alnus. Alnus is simply the Latin word for alder, and the word alder is from the Old English alor, which is a word that seems to specifically refer to these trees. There's 35 species of trees and shrubs in this genus, mostly deciduous, but some that grow closer to the equator are evergreen, as is fairly typical. The two species I'm focusing on form as medium trees, while most other alders form as tall shrubs. But let's talk about those two trees, the black and red alders. These are medium single-stem trees. They'll typically grow between 50 and 80 feet, or 15 to 25 meters tall. Some rare exceptions, of course, for those overachiever trees that grow taller than that, I believe there is a red alder in Oregon that is 128 feet or 39 meters tall. One unique thing about these trees is that they reach these heights very quickly. And I feel like that is a common feature for plants that grow in wetter sites. A lot of trees can't handle the overabundance of water, but if they can, they really make use of it. The bark of these trees comes in various shades of gray. The black alder is generally going to be a darker shade, while the red alder is often close to being white, which is a primary reason why they are so often confused with birches. The cut wood inside the tree, however, tends to turn various shades of orange or red, sometimes the red being so dark as to be almost purple and it often leaks this weird red resin, kind of like the weirwood trees from the Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones series. And this inner color is how the red alder gets that common name. 
Um, a lot of people look at the white trees and be like, why is it called a red alder? You have to cut into it to find out. The black alder in Europe is also sometimes called red alder uh, because of the same reason. Moving up to the canopy, the leaves of these trees tend to be around the size of the palm of your hand, so a few inches long and mostly oval-shaped. The edges of the leaves are referred to as doubly serrate, which means saw teeth on top of saw teeth, and it gives them this appearance like they've been unevenly chopped. The leaf tips are sometimes pointed, but usually rounded, or can even reflex inward, sort of like the top of a cartoon heart. And I know these are really minor details, but I like to help you form these images of the trees in your mind. Alder flowers in the springtime are catkins. We've talked about those a few times before with species like the aspen and the chestnut. Catkins are those dangly boys that look like caterpillars hanging down from the twigs. They aren't really showy, so unfortunately, no pretty spring flare. The fruits are super weird, though, because they're cones. You really only see cones on gymnosperms, needle trees like pine or spruce or hemlock, trees that don't produce flowers. That's why conifer is a pretty good common universal name for those guys. But the structure on the alder that houses the seeds are teeny tiny little two centimeter long wooden cones. I don't know of any other fruiting tree that bears cones, or strobiles if you want to get technical, so I'm not quite sure why alders went down that specific evolutionary path, but it's, it's really fascinating. But as I've mentioned, alders typically grow near or sometimes even in water. What's very interesting is that the section of trunk that becomes submerged, that wood is incredibly hard and dense so as to make it insanely durable and water resistant. This is also one of the rare instances where I get to talk about the roots. Oftentimes roots do normal root things like take in nutrients and anchor the tree, but the roots of alder species, they form a symbiotic relationship with a specific bacterium. This means that both the tree and the bacteria benefit from this relationship. In fact, the entire ecosystem can benefit from this relationship because as the bacteria pulls nutrients from the alder, they form these weird bubbles on the roots called nodules that fix nitrogen. What this means is that as the soil absorbs nitrogen that is freely found in the atmosphere, these bacteria root bubbles convert that nitrogen into ammonia, which is a form of nutrient that helps most organisms grow. So in an area where alders grow, their relationship with bacteria is making the soil around them more fertile and healthy for any other plants or soil microorganisms to flourish in. These growth patterns of alder have been observed for centuries, both how they grow near or in water and also how they improve the soil. And because of this, the alder has been represented as a symbol for a number of themes like balance, cooperation, and the concept of rebirth that we so often see in the spring season. I'm going to start here with the symbolism behind the black alder of Europe and the North African coast. In Latin, this tree is called Ulnus glutinosa, glutinosa being in reference to the young shoots of this tree being kind of sticky or glutinous. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've actually ended up relying a lot on European trees for my storytelling. At first I thought I'd be leaning too much on North America because that's where I'm from, but the fact that I've come to realize is that Europe just has a much more extensive written history for me to pull from. 
I really wish I could pull more stories from Native American or other international cultures, but oftentimes those stories are either kept around an oral tradition rather than written, or just haven't been translated. That random tangent aside, the alder in Europe is often seen to represent balance, especially in Celtic folklore. But balance between what exactly? In a physical sense, the alder lives in balance between the terrestrial and aquatic worlds, land and water. This idea has been applied to the Oum calendar as the spring equinox falls within the alder moon. I'm actually recording this episode on the spring equinox. That day is now a balanced moment in the calendar, where light and darkness are equal. Digging more into these spring themes, it's interesting how various holidays in late winter are dedicated to spring before it even arrives. St. Brigid's Day with Celtic tradition or Tubishvat with Jewish culture. Cultures often just do what they can to get through winter so they can get to the rebirth that is spring. To me, I've always seen this whole rebirth theme to be profoundly represented by beautiful flowers. After months of gray and brown dullness to the landscape, these pops of color dramatically bring us back to life. And yet, as a symbol for spring rebirth, the alder does not have showy flowers. But it still holds that rebirth symbolism thanks to that symbiotic relationship with nitrogen-fixing bacteria. Maybe not in a flashy sense, but in a very literal and practical sense, the alder breathes life into the land. Alongside balance, that is another reason we see it representing the spring equinox. Another popular Celtic tradition speaks of mythical creatures known as fairies. Fairies are often depicted in the modern day as being relatively harmless, cute and whimsical and yeah, a little mischievous, but certainly not frightening and deadly. Except for the fact that in traditional Celtic folklore, fairies are kind of terrifying. Fairies are symbols of luck, not just good luck that brings you to meeting your one true love, but also the bad luck that leads to a random tree branch falling and killing you. Fairies were said to lead travelers astray, and in some cases diseases like tuberculosis were blamed on fairies. Fairies are fickle, and are often used as reasons for why you should respect nature, lest you incur the wrath of the fae who live there. But why do I bring them up? It is said that fairies love the alder. They liked that the beauty of the alder manifested in a more subtle way, and the fact that alders improve their ecosystem was also a huge plus. More shrubby alders, like speckled alder, can form thickets and swamps, giving them this sort of feeling of secrecy since they make those swamps so hard to navigate. And I think that sort of aesthetic of secrecy and getting lost has led people to believe that alders served as doorways or portals to the world of the fairies. So here we have another example of balance. Balance between the human world and the fairy world, what we as people of society might consider order and chaos. One more story about the Alder and Celtic history is about a legendary king of Britain named Bran the Blessed, who was said to be a giant, or in some cases a god. When Bran led his armies to battle, he always carried his staff of alder wood with him. There is this proverb about how the alder is purple, in reference to its dark red wood, because purple was Bran's color, and alder was Bran's tree. With this connection of use and battle, the alder also becomes related to the theme of protection. Every other Oum tree has had protection symbolism, so you had to know this was coming somehow. But on top of protection, the alder has also come to represent courage. 
Because the wood leaks that red resin when it's cut, Celtic soldiers believed that the wood was bleeding for them when they used alder shields. As if spirits of nature were voluntarily preventing their wounds, it gave them a feeling of righteousness and the courage to fight on. And of course, you can't have Celtic connections without talking about magic. When using alder wood for magic, it is said that you need to take great care. Various woods are often given elemental associations, and the alder is often associated with a balance between all four elements. But not balanced with strength like that of a triangle, more balanced precariously like that of a tightrope walker. Also, when you take wood from an alder, you are supposed to leave a gift in return. I'm not entirely sure why. My theories come back to balance, like when something is removed, it must be replaced, or possibly to appease the fairies that you are taking from. Regardless, one of the primary uses for alder wood in magic is with resurrection ceremonies, and this is a fairly clear allusion to the alder's connection to the rebirth of spring and its life-giving properties. But the black alder is native across Europe, and so you can see its impacts in more than just Celtic culture. It's just that the Celts really love trees. Some cultures saw how the tree leaked red sap like blood and considered it bad luck to cut the wood at all. Some cultures very actively used the wood. It would rot easily when out of water, so it wasn't used like most wood for fence posts and exterior construction. But because the submerged wood was so durable, it was great for aquatic construction. You can see this happening with houses constructed on the locks of Scotland, or more famously as the foundation for the floating city of Venice. If you've ever wondered how that wood has been in water for so long and hasn't rotted, it's because it's mostly alder wood that lives in water. But I've said enough about the black alder, and I do want to spend a little bit of time on the red alder of North America. The Red Alder, unfortunately, has no cool stories that I could find. I'm sure there are some, but as I mentioned, the stories that indigenous tribes would have shared are either done so in oral tradition or haven't been translated, or just aren't as easily accessible with the modern amount of research I do. But there are extensive uses for the Red Alder that have been documented. The inner bark of the tree can be dried and ground and used as a thickener for soups. The red wood can be used for dyes, and the sticky sap can be used as sealant for canoes. The wood has been used for construction, and its fibers woven into baskets. Various parts of the tree have been used medicinally to treat cold symptoms or digestive issues. The bark actually produces a compound that has successfully been used to help treat tuberculosis. So, apparently, fairies can cause tuberculosis, and their favorite tree can help cure it. Like I said... They're fickle. In modern days, we still extensively use the wood of the red alder. It is perhaps the most important hardwood lumber species in the Pacific Northwest. The wood is fairly similar to prized cherry wood, in both appearance and grain, and it is often used for interior projects like furniture and cabinetry. Red alder is also often considered to be the best wood for smoking salmon and other fish. There's a lot we can learn from the alder. It's chock full of symbolism from balance to rebirth to courage, so really take your pick. I personally like the story of the bleeding shields giving soldiers courage. It is still relevant in the way that nature provides for us in numerous ways, even if it may not be spirits actually sacrificing themselves for us. You just have to remember that when you take from nature, 
you have to give something in return so that you can maintain that balance and the land can continue to provide. This spring, I encourage you to be like the alder. Find balance in your life. And like how the alder works with bacteria to improve its community, work with others to improve yours. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help the show grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their stuff on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Wherever good music exists, they are there. My cover art is by Brittany Burnett. You can find her incredible photography on Instagram at BoomerangBrit. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at MyFavoriteTrees and get updates on future episodes and extra goodies. If you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug.